Hey guys, I hope you're all doing well today. I have an exciting announcement for you, and it's not only exciting for me, it's very, very personal. And I'll be honest, there's a little bit of, of nervousness to, to announce this because it's a project that I've been working on for almost two years now. So just to give you a little context, about five years ago, I really exploded my business. I went from being a one-man operation doing a respectable amount of deals, you know, two to three deals a month, to blowing it up to doing well over 10 deals a month, and in some months, 15 and to 20 deals a month. And there were some very specific things that I did to get there. And I have been asked for the last five years from individuals from all over the country, how did you do it? How did you blow your company up? What were the things that you did? What did you change? What did you implement? What exactly is the secret to getting this done? And I've answered this question multiple times over the last five years, but it's only been within the last few years that I started writing a book that has everything in it, all of the strategies I used to grow my business from just doing a couple deals a month to doing a dozen deals or more a month. And there are very specific things that I changed and very specific things that I implemented in my company to make that happen. And I've now put it into a book. That's right, guys. I'm an author, and you are the first ones to hear about it. I have not made this announcement publicly anywhere else. I'm doing it here to give you guys a first opportunity to take a sneak peek at the book. Now, the book won't be launching. It won't be available on Amazon or anywhere else until June 1st. But between now and the end of the month, I am offering to send this book for free to you to check it out and give me some feedback and maybe more importantly, uh, to read it so that when it does go live, you can give me an honest review in Amazon to which I would be eternally grateful. But I would love to share this book with as many of you who wants to, to read it. Now, remember, you'll be getting a sneak peek. So you're going to see all these things before anybody else does. And I'm happy to do that as, as a listener of mine. I really value your opinion and I really want to get this into your hands. So if you want to get an advanced copy of the book, please shoot me an email at mike at juststartrealestate.com, subject line, book. Again, that's mike at juststartrealestate.com, subject line, book. And I will get that to you immediately. Okay, guys, let's dive into the show. You wouldn't be too anxious, right? And this, especially if you're like a newer guy to be like jumping in and saying like, Hey, I'm going to make my millions right now. Yeah. Just relax, relax, right? This is a long-term game. What you're seeing is a market shift. It will continue to real estate is a slow moving animal and it's not, you're not going to miss the boat if you don't buy something tomorrow, right? You're listening to the just start real estate podcast. If you're serious about your real estate investing business and need real answers, you are in the right place. And now your host, Mike Simmons. Hey guys, thank you for joining me here on Just Our Real Estate for another episode. I appreciate it. I appreciate you spending time here. Lots of things that we could be doing in our days and this is what you're choosing to do. And man, it's awesome. I'm, I'm honored and I'm humbled. So thank you for that. Uh, I am excited about the show that I'm going to be bringing you today. It is chalked full of not only some of the smartest guys I know, but also some of the coolest guys I know. Uh, we are going to discuss real estate versus the coronavirus. What is happening in various markets uh, due to the current 
April 2020 coronavirus pandemic. Uh, we're all, not all of us, but a lot of us are being quarantined in our house and we're struggling to figure out how to run a real estate investing business in this time. What are we doing right now? What are we seeing? What's happening? And what do we think is going to happen in the next six, eight, 10, 12 months, two years for that matter. Like what is going to happen? What, what, what do we think this is going to be the effect of what's going on right now? And I brought on some of the guys that I listen to when it comes to real estate. Some of the people that I know know what they're talking about. And the great thing is these guys are spread out all over the country and they're running very successful, high level real estate businesses. And they have agreed to come on today, sit down in a group and sort of talk about, discuss what what's happening, what can we expect, what should we be worried about, what shouldn't we be worried about, in their opinions, right? I mean, we're all just giving our opinions. If we all knew what was going to happen, you know, there would be nothing at all to think about. We would just do what we had to do and, and we would know, but we don't know. So it's always good to get the opinions of those who you respect and you believe have a pulse on what's going on. And I do believe that about these guys. So I'm happy to have them here. I can't wait to have them on. Uh, I'm going to let them introduce themselves today. I know them. Some of them have already been on the show before. You guys have become familiar with them. But if you haven't, I'm going to let them introduce themselves. So without any further ado, let's get to the Real Estate Roundtable. All right, guys. Thank you for joining me on the show. I really, really appreciate it. Uh, just to recap here, I've got Adam Ray, Andy McFarland, Terry Berger, and Jeremiah Johnson with me today. Uh, I've had all or most of you at least on the show at one time or another. Uh, but just for people who don't know you, if we could just go around real quick, just Introduce yourself. Where are you from? Why do I know you? Why is it all important that you're here? Why? How? What makes you so awesome that you're on this? No, I'm just kidding. Just talk about who you are, a little bit of your background, so people have some context when they're listening to this. So I'm going to look at my screen and kind of go around. So Adam, that would make you first. Your top left for me. Uh, yeah, Adam Ray, Colorado Springs, Colorado. Have a small team uh, of five, and we wholesale, flip, and have a rental portfolio in Southern Colorado. Have a couple of outs properties that are outside of that, but um, yeah, that's me. Okay. Awesome, man. Adam or uh, Andy, that would make you next. So Andy McFarland, I live in Utah, do business in Utah, uh, Salt Lake City area, New Mexico, Albuquerque, New Mexico, and Indianapolis, Indiana area. And uh, again, some kind of small team. We do primarily wholesale and a few flips. Do have some rentals as well. Yeah. And I know you because, uh, I mean, who doesn't want to know Mike Simmons? <laughs> oh, probably because you helped me build my business to what it is, but all right. Okay, Jeremiah, that makes you next, my friend. Jeremiah Johnson, uh, we are, I am a wholesaler and our markets are Wichita and uh, Kansas City. And I live just outside of Denver, Parker, Colorado. We've been in business now with us our fourth year. And uh, yeah, predominantly wholesaling, have done some flipping, but. Nice, yeah. remote. And I know you from the group, Seven Figure. Seven Figure Flipping, that's right. That's right. Terry, last but not least. I'm Terry Berger. Uh, I'm in the Atlanta, Georgia market from Cleveland, Ohio, if there are any Clevelanders out there. And uh, we have an office in Atlanta, also Greenville, South Carolina. We primarily flip. I'm an agent turned full-time investor. That's my story. Love it. I know you from Seven Figure as well. So a lot yes. of a lot of diversity on the call, actually, a lot of diversity and a lot of uh, super humble people because everybody on this call is a complete rock star in the industry, total rock star. So um, just want to get that out there. You guys won't say it, so I'll say it for you. So the reason that I asked you all to come on this and the reason I'm kind of doing this roundtable, uh, sort of a panel uh, type discussion is 
primarily because we're all in different parts of the country. We're all experiencing maybe slightly different things. And and I have a huge respect for all of you guys, the way you conduct business, your business, the way you've built it, the way you run it, the way you run your teams, integrity, and all that stuff is completely top notch. So I really would love to hear right now what's happening in your in your market, right? You can't speak to other markets. I get that. But what's happening in your market and, and what are you guys seeing that's different? And I mean, there's definitely some different things. I mean, in Michigan, we're pretty locked down. We're pretty strict uh, regulations as far as what we can and can't do. And from a flipper standpoint, which I do a little bit of, pretty restrictive. But what are you guys seeing in your markets and how are you running your business now that's maybe different than what you were running it six months ago? So I'm not going to necessarily go in order. Anyone can jump in or I'll just say, hey, man, what do you think? But feel free just to jump in and, and start talking, guys. So I, I think we're we're a little bit in the gap in between what is what the market was and what it will be. And I think there's some unknowns that are currently transpiring. So we, we saw a, a lot of our buyers pull back initially, like, oh, we're going to let the dust settle. And now I think a lot of our buyers are like the general public and that they're ready for this to be over. What they're, they're coming back to the table. You know what? We don't think the sky is falling. And what do you got? Do you have any inventory? And so we're starting to see that push the opposite direction, which is a good thing. And um, as far as sellers, we've seen a, a surge in online marketing and also uh, the mail response has been just pretty much been the same. Okay. And really what this did for us is expose a lot of inefficiencies in our business, you know, because when you think things are getting ready to get really super tight, you start analyzing every penny you're spending, which is what we did. And, and um, it's easy when things are clipping along at a, at a steady pace to kind of ignore those inefficiencies. So last six months now versus six months ago, I think we're being a lot more, we're scrutinizing our decisions a lot more, what, what marketing channels and things that we're doing. But as far as the market in general, it's, it's actually doing fairly well. I mean, it's, it's, I think it's starting to come. I won't say come back because I didn't, I don't think it went away. I think everybody just got a little gun shy. Yeah, totally. I, I really do think that's going to be one of the, the benefits of all of this happening is people had to sort of get a tighten the belt mentality a little bit and they they had to change the way they operate. And I think some people found that they were just operating kind of fat. Uh, I know we did. And and we made some changes to our business to be a little bit lean. And also the cool thing we've I've noticed in my business is, so for us, direct mail became less effective in like late February and March. So we dramatically reduced it and we started doing more of things that we weren't doing very much of like texting and ringless voicemail. We started doing more of that. Uh, over the last couple of months. And it's 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 allowed us, or I shouldn't say allowed us, it's forced us to become better at something that we were procrastinating on getting good at because we sort of didn't need to at the time. So um, yeah, we're seeing that too. I think just operational efficiency is going to be a benefit of all of this. So absolutely. what about you, Adam? What are you seeing, my man? Here in Southern Colorado, I mean, I think anything that is listing, we're seeing a decrease in listings because people aren't wanting to move in the middle of of it, but the retail market, as far as listings go, if there is a listing, it's it's getting some showings um, now. Uh, last week we had the last couple of weeks we had you had to go under contract at a state level and then show the property by law or by executive order from the governor. So they opened that back up on Monday, and that allowed us to be able to show properties, accept offers first. So what that did for us. It is actually going to allow us in our rental portfolio to rent more vacant units. We had seven units come online in the last four weeks that we weren't able to really rent because people didn't want to sign a lease 
and then go see the property. Yeah. Um, so we started to see an uptick in searches. And then I've been analyzing that a little bit differently. Uh, our single family homes that are for rent uh, are seeing larger percentages of people search and reach out and interact. And then in our apartments where we have like a fourplex, it's a denser, uh, <laughs> denser population. Yeah. Right now, they're not getting much traffic. So uh, that's what we're seeing. Uh, but right now, we haven't seen really a price drop in any of our retail sales um, as far as actual price points. So for right now, if you're trying to buy and flip or you have any inventory getting on the market, we're just looking at, at solid prices pre-COVID. Um, we That's haven't awesome. really seen them drop much. That's so. awesome. Yeah. It's again, Michigan's such a weird area right now. So we were, we did have a problem with retail. We had actually stuff on the market that we ripped off the market because no one could go see them. Like realtors weren't showing houses. So we just took them off the market because we're just figuring, we're just accumulating days on market at this point. We're not doing anything good for ourselves. Um, so we took them off and we had, you know, with our buyers and Jeremiah, you referenced buyers pulling back for a minute in our market, even still up until I think the first of May, and, and after that, I have to look and see what all is allowed. But we contractors couldn't buy materials. Like they could buy what was considered essential stuff, like toilets and, and bathroom things they could buy, but they couldn't like mix paint. So if you wanted a gray paint, gray is a mixture of white and something else, right? So you couldn't mix anything. So you couldn't really buy paint. You couldn't buy flooring unless it was for a bathroom. So it's like we we have all these projects going on right now in like various states of, of in our contractors bouncing around like, okay, we're going to put this vanity in here. We're going to go back and put the doors on here because doors are essential, right? But we can't put in your, your hardwood flooring and we can't put in kitchen cabinets. We can rip them out and we can buy sinks, but we can't put cat. It's like, what is happening? And we're still like that right now until I know... Uh, something's going to change on May 1st and I got to look and see what all will be allowed at that point. But it's it's had a huge effect. So for our buyers as a wholesaler, our landlords are less freaked out than the flippers are right now because not only can they not finish a flip, they can't show properties to end buyers. So it's like, what's the what would be the point of buying something right now? So we've had a lot of, it, so it affected our business because half of our buyers are flippers. So it has had an effect. We had a few buyers that just were bigger and they could power through it. But some of the smaller ones that we would sell to just hit the pause button right now. So that's where we are. But luckily, we did ramp up texting. We ramped up our VM. So we're still signing contracts on the front end. We're just asking for longer lead times, longer contract durations, so that you know we can hopefully, once we get into May, we can kind of pop some of these through. But it's a it's a different environment for us, and and uh, we're asking our <laughs> our people to do different things. Uh, Andy, you actually <clears throat> mentioned this a while back, a couple weeks ago, I think, when we talked. My dispo guy, it's been like, you know, squeeze that rock, like get it, everything out of these deals. Every single deal at high volume, an extra $1,000 is pretty significant at the end of the year if we can just squeeze an extra couple thousand dollars out of every deal. And now I'm like, okay, new script. We're going to go for speed. Let's try to just turn and burn these things as fast as we can. Like, you know, do the best you can, obviously, but let's not haggle for an extra couple of weeks. Like, let's just get these things moving along. So that's what we've been doing. And I, I have found as a business owner, it's been hard for me to to wrap my head around it even, you know, because we'll get something in under contract. We'll have our meeting on on Tuesday mornings is when we meet as a team. We'll say, okay, here's here's the deal. We got this. We found a buyer. Here's what they're willing to pay. And this is what we we able to negotiate. And I'm looking at it with my experience in the market and going, 
that seems low. That seems a little low, you know, and I have to keep reminding myself like, yes, it is a little low um, because some of these, by the way, we're selling sight unseen to buyers too, right? So I have to keep in mind, like these guys haven't even been inside the house. Like they're making offers without ever walking in the house. We bought um, a camera, like a 360 degree camera where they can zoom in and stop and all this stuff in the rooms, which helps, but house flippers generally want to see that stuff, man. They want to be able to see what the materials are and kind of get a feel for the house overall. So it's a little bit different for us. Um, Sight unseen offers are lower. And that's like, as a business owner, I'm looking at it going, man, I know we could get more than that, but I got to keep reminding the world that we're living in right now, we really couldn't get more. So that's been an adjustment. Terry, what, what are you seeing out there, man? You know, as a house flipper, we have to kind of watch the retail market um, more so than you guys watch in the wholesale market. I, I, a lot of people buying the wholesale deals are investors as well, right? And they kind of expect during a, a, a little crisis time to get a little bit of a haircut. Retail market, uh, to echo Adam's point, haven't really seen a lot going on. In fact, what's interesting is the retail market, at least in our space, is it's a new market. We have less houses being listed, less houses going under contract, but the metrics are actually better than they were when we had uh, even before pre-COVID. And what I mean by that is we're really watching the number of houses that go under contract, how many houses are replacing that house. Right. Right. And that just kind of tells you if your inventory is stacking or whatever. So right now, the numbers seem to be as good as they've always been. You just have less of everything, you know? Yep. So you got to, you still have cake. You just have three quarters of the cake instead of all of the cake. I mean, from a, from our standpoint, from a business owner, we are adjusting our ARVs down because as a house flipper, you know, we could be four or five months down the road before we get rid of a property. So we're hedging down five to 7% on our ARVs. And then uh, we're, we've kind of reduced our formula instead of the 70% formula that most people have heard about. We're going, trying to get at a 65%. So yeah. we are focused primarily on what I call doubles, triples, and home runs. Um, the singles, the, the things that might we might have just said, yeah, let's add that because we can make a little bit on it. Not do great on it, but uh, not lose on it either. We're, we've, we're starting to turn those down. Is it like the margins are just getting a little fuzzier? Is that what you mean? Like it's just harder to predict those tight ones? It is, you know, if you if a single's ten grand to twelve grand, right? Like if your if your house is going to be worth five percent less in six months, yeah. that does get compressed pretty hard. Yep. 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 Totally. So we just makes said sense. for right now, we're going to let those go. Yeah, we're kind of using a five percent um, reduction when we do ARVs now too. Like, because as a wholesaler, we've got to look at what our end buyer is going to do too, right? Like, what are they doing? But they might be more conservative than that. But it's exactly you're exactly right. Like, we're looking at these things and just going, all right, well, so what we think we could get, but you know, we need to shave that down a little bit just to be realistic with everybody. So yeah, I think that that's smart. We don't really use a seventy percent rule per se, but same idea. We're just kind of shifting everything down a little bit and being a little more conservative about it. We've been fortunate. I mean, our in the Southeast, construction and residential real estate's been essential. So no, I know that good. there are people all over the country that are struggling with the complete opposite of that. But yeah, we've been lucky here. Yeah, we can't even get landscape. <laughs> like landscapers <laughs> can't even work right now. So it's been weird. But um, a lot of lot a lot of tall grass and things. Which as a landlord, honestly, I have a couple houses that are changing over people who are leaving or re-renting them and the grass got a little long and I'm like, nah, I can't really get too mad at us. We're not allowed to have landscapers over. So we'll see how that, how long that lasts. Andy, what are you seeing, man? What's happening in, uh, in your markets? Talking to you guys is super interesting to see how it is different in every market because yeah. 
Yeah. Um, and Michigan, obviously, has been impacted a lot. So in the three markets I'm in, so Utah, Northern Utah, Salt Lake City, Utah, Albuquerque, and Indianapolis, Indiana. So the, the restrictions are like minimal. Really, it's just in, I mean, the, the governors have come out and said, you know, stay at home and sell if you're sick and all that stuff. But you can get stuff at Home Depot. Flips still happen. People can come still see houses. It's none of those like governmental restrictions that are like the people are having to adhere to. Yeah. But I saw exactly what JJ was talking about. And you guys have all seen this. The perception was reality to people that as it became real to people that this pandemic was happening, uh, they froze, they stopped, they pulled back. So our buyers, because we primarily do wholesale, they were feeling what we were all feeling, this uncertainty. So they just stopped. And when they stopped, it's like supply and demand. We had less buyers looking for our properties. So the demand was down. So we had to give a better price. So there's definitely uh, a few weeks where people got really good prices on wholesale deals. Uh, but I'm starting to see people creep out a little bit, a little bit right? Yeah. People starting to creep out again. So it's so from a wholesale basis, that was absolutely it. We saw a reduction in number of buyers. Uh, people slowed down, slowed that down. They got better deals. And it wasn't just because of them, it was because their lenders too. Their lenders pulled back liquidity, kind of got sucked out of the market from yeah. private lenders or from hard money lenders. They kind of said, we want 20% down now. We're not going to lend on that deal. They just really kind of pulled back. So it wasn't that our buyers just didn't want to, although some of them you know, were wanting to pause and wait and see how this turned out. Their lenders wouldn't allow them to do it. So that was interesting. Um, and we don't do as much on the retail front, probably just like 15, 20% of what we do is on the retail front. But in all three states, which we do retail flips in all three states, all of them, I think there is less of that cake, like like Terry is seeing. But all of our properties, we have nothing active right now. Wow, everything's sold, everything or everything's under contract, I should say, right? So, and we're getting good pricing on it. It's like nothing has affected that. Nothing has changed. Now, certainly, wow. probably less sellers are putting stuff on the market, but our retail, our flipped product that's nice, fixed up, vacant, it's getting offers. It's they're under contract, and it's like nothing has happened. So. Are you guys all seeing, for those of you who have a wholesaling operation, are you guys seeing your your buyers start to come, like Andy just said, come back around where they're kind of making more normal offers? Is that happening in everybody else's market? No? Not for you guys. Nothing? So it's yeah. been weird. There was a, definitely a couple of weeks where it was just like, I mean, when the NBA shut down and the NCAA turned all that stuff, it became real for all these, every American, right? Yep. And then it's something like, and it was different times in different markets. It was interesting for me to watch it because we're in those three different states. Like one market just like, it was like turned off, right? And then like three or four days later, it was like the next one. It's like whatever that yeah. market, the geographic, those people, <laughs> yeah. they like it became real to them. And all of a sudden they're like, wait a second, hang on, right? And they all like pump the brakes at the same time. But it was different for each one of those markets. Yeah. But we're starting to see people creep out a little bit more now. We're not getting the same volume of buyers chasing after our deals. It only takes one, right? To yep. buy it. Yep. We're getting enough people out there that we're selling them. We're selling our stuff. Probably not a you know, pre-COVID, we're not we're not selling like we did before the, the virus, right? But we're selling them. What about sellers? Yeah. Like, I, I know buyers are kind of like figured out, like, oh, this is maybe something I need to slow down a little bit. It, like, I'll talk about our market. Like, so in our market, the sellers have not completely one hundred percent embraced that it might be difficult for them right now. Like, with they're, they're still a little bit kind of pushing back, you know. And it's not we're not over leveraging. The, yeah. Exactly. So I talked to a, a seasoned inventor, uh, veteran investor here in Colorado Springs, Southern Colorado, and he said, and so this is this is my perspective, right? I think there's a lot of different things to break information into and to try and understand, okay, what are the facts? The facts are we're at 20.5% unemployment. That's pretty crazy. Well, it's the first time, you know, that's a fact. Yep. What does that look like moving forward and how much bounce back are we going to get? That's speculation. Right. So separating the facts from the speculation and preparing like uh, the best example I can give inside of that is uh, like a strike zone in baseball. 
in spring training, the strike, the strike zone is like massive, yeah. right? And umpires who are calling at the beginning of the season, it, it's a lot bigger and a lot more loose than it is in the playoffs. Right. We're in the playoffs right now. And we got to tighten our strike zone. If we've been playing with a tighter strike zone the whole time, then we're okay with that. Right. So uh, we're looking at that, you know, and then in, in Colorado Springs, I think uh, there's a gap that has happened. And so my favorite saying of how to look at this subjectively, not, not objective facts, but subjective opinion is that uh, it's a Mark Twain quote that some of my favorite investors quote, and it's, you know, history doesn't repeat, but it rhymes. So it's never going to look identical. Yeah. But, you know, what is that, what is that going to look like? And in 2008, in 2001, and in 1987 through 91, there was this massive gap between price expectations um, of previous uh, to when they actually start discounting their own property from the motivation standpoint. Now, I think in 2008, at least in Southern Colorado, it took till about mid, it was about 11 months. Um, if you look at the data and last night, Terry and I were talking and he was selling retail. He went back and looked at his as well. It was about 10, 11, 12 months before we really started to see uh, the price expectations for sellers really adjust. Now, but I will back in also 08, say- Back in you mean? Back in 2008? Correct. Yeah. Yeah. And then you look at uh, 2001 and you look at 87 through 91, there were different events that that corresponded to that. I think we are experiencing the shortest time frame to top to bottom <laughs> of like expectation as far as like, holy crap, something's happening. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> instead of like late 2007, things are starting to happen. And then September 08 is when Lehman collapsed. And then fall 09 is when you really started to see that you were able to get deals based on people's real experience going through that. So we have a gap that's normal. There's a gap in expectation versus reality yeah. for sellers, for buyers, for lenders, for business owners, wholesalers, and all of that. And how can you feel what's going on in your market? And for mine, I'm expecting it to be not quite as long, but what would that look like at least through you know midsummer? And, it, and again, I'm looking at and following policy choices politically, not from a politics standpoint, I, I, I'm pretty politically agnostic. I think common sense wins <laughs> yeah. for me. So I'm not saying one choice represented by a party versus another is better, yeah. but how does that choice affect my business? And right. you can see the dramatic difference between like a Colorado and a, and a Michigan, which there's a Democratic governor, and Republican governor, yep. similar policy choices versus Utah and Kansas, um, very different than where Terry's at, whether it's wide open and split testing, you know, whether this is going to bounce back, I'm glad we're not doing it here. So I think, I think people have to dig in and realize that real estate is a local perception of a national opinion. The gap is what we have to manage in all segments of all of our stakeholders, which is buyers, sellers, Yeah. Brokers, lenders, owners. There's five. So yep. 
So what do you think that means in terms of like our buyers, at least for me, my buyers were quick to jump on board with the savings, right? Like the sky is falling. I need, I need this cheaper, right? The sellers are slower to do that. Do you think, and I'm just based on what you said and what, what I kind of was seeing, do you think that means we're coming to a point where sellers will catch up and get a little concerned and buyers will still be kind of like optimistic or becoming more optimistic about what they want to buy. And will there'll be some sort of like a opposite effect of what we're kind of seeing right now where it's like, we're buying higher still, we're still kind of buying where we were, but we can't sell for as much. Is that going to flop on itself? Well, well I think, I, I think we got to back up and also look at like 2008. If you look at the, the 11 month time expectation, that was also with the dramatic shift of the financial problem happening in the real estate market. Yeah. Yep. I, I, I have no certainty that that's going to happen yeah. now. Like there's, right. it may rhyme and we may have some uncertainty and we can sell to that, but I, I don't know that we're going to see this massive drop. We're seeing it in Hong Kong. There's a 20% drop in prices. Really? Um, so if you look in other places, but for here, I don't know. I, I there's agree. a lot of stuff that goes into those drops too. Well, there's and a lot Mike, of stuff that goes into that. Totally. I Their financing what, policy is it, so different than ours. Yeah. So financing goes into that. And what type of product are they talking about? 20% drop to qualify that. Are they talking about like skyscrapers? Are they talking about commercial stuff? Because you're lumping it all together. But when you're talking about a single family home, bread and butter, Tom and Susie Holman or live there, if they can get a loan, my bet is common sense says, as, as, as Adam would say, they're going to get a loan and they're going to, they're going to buy, right? Yeah. If they can get a loan. So if you're watching those lenders and those policies with the lenders, as long as people can get a loan and there's product they want to buy, they're absolutely going to buy it, in my opinion. If I can get anybody excited about rentals right now, if history rhymes, when you have a massive shift in economics, regardless of what you think is going to happen to the housing market, there's going to be demand in the rental market. Yeah. In about two years, yeah, two to three to four years. If you look at 2010, at the very end of 2010, you started to see an uptick, and it was like rent increases all the way from there to about last year. Yeah, and so you start you kept seeing that pricing pressure because it's a true supply demand issue, regardless of whether we go back to three percent unemployment. Um, I just I think that's an absurd notion that we would bounce back to a 3% unemployment rate. So realistically, look at what you think your local area is going to be. But if you buy rentals and fix it against price inflation, some of the best investors in the world will say, if you're active, the only way that you lose is if if you stop operating, stop buying, because this is the time at the bottom of the cycle to get 20, 30, 40% rates of return when you fix it against the long-term upshot on a 12, 15-year time horizon. Okay, guys, hold that thought. I want to make a quick announcement, and I'm happy to do this while you guys are all here because you know this product because a lot of you have either helped produce it or you were a direct inspiration for the information that's in it, and that is the seven-figure flipping vault. The seven-figure flipping vault is something that I'm really proud of because I was 
very instrumental in putting this thing together, along with my friend Bill Allen and some of the guys right here in this roundtable discussion were either a part of the videos or absolutely were the inspiration for the information that went into the videos. And these videos cover every aspect of real estate investing for house flippers and for wholesalers. And it covers like A to Z guys. If you're a house flipper and you want to know how to find motivated sellers in your market, there's an entire video dedicated to that. If you want to define your marketing strategies, which sellers should you target and why, there's a video for that. If you want to pick a market based off size, competition, and what you should be looking for, there's a video for that. If you want to set up your phone system, learn how to track your calls and manage leads, there's a video for that and way more videos that cover every other aspect of house flipping, hiring contractors, managing contractors. What does it look uh, like when you uh, when you bid for a property? When you when you get gather, gather the bids from the contractors, what does that look like, and how should you do that? Uh, what is the best practices when renovating a house? What is what do you what should you be doing in those houses to renovate them? All of these things are covered. If you're a wholesaler, you can find out uh, defining your market for that for being a wholesaler. It's a little bit different. How to find cash buyers in your market. How to find motivated sellers. That's huge, right? We need to find these sellers that are motivated to sell us at a discount. 15 hacks to build and grow your buyers list, right? A whole video about building your buyers list, which is so important as a, as a wholesaler. It, we talk about CRMs in these videos, like what do you use to track your business? What does it look like when a seller calls in? What do you say on the phone? And then how do you sell that property afterward? What's the process for doing that? Guess what? We also have an entire video series dedicated just to marketing strategies, just all the strategies you're going to use to find these sellers. And there's a million different ways you can do it. Some of them cost money, some of them don't. So it depends on your budget in terms of how you're going to look for these sellers, but there's videos that cover all kinds of different ways. And then you say, I'm not good at sales. I'm not good at negotiating. That's great. We got you covered. There are videos on how to talk to sellers, how to talk to buyers, how to negotiate with sellers, what to say, how to negotiate with buyers. What do you say to them? It's a completely different sales process. And there's training and videos behind all of this that you can literally run your entire wholesaling or house flipping business with these videos. Guys, they are available to you right now. All you have to do to get to them is go to juststartrealestate.com forward slash vault. It'll take you right there. Again, that's juststartrealestate.com forward slash vault. Okay, very good. All right, guys, where were we now? Terry, what were you going to say? Terry, you got bumped over there a minute. Yeah, it's no, it's interesting. You know, Bruce Norris, we heard him on a podcast say, you know, if you could predict the human condition, you probably know where this thing's going to end up, right? right. So, None of us do. And so all we know is I think we have a, the, a world of humanity that says we want to we want to stop hitting the pause button and now we want to hit the play button on our movie, right? So you think about it like a, a DVD, you pause that thing, it's going to hit, you're, you're going to hit it back the same frame that you, when you hit play, right? But now we have all these different movies trying to sync up at the same time and figure out how we're all going to start back. I do think the human condition is humanity wants to get back to what we were thriving, you know, four weeks ago. Uh, the, the biggest aha to me from the last recession to this one is the trash started to stink a little bit in 2007. And you're like, hey, do you smell something? Okay, no, I don't either. And then it smelled a little bit worse. And then it smelled, it's like, where is that smell coming from? <laughs> then all of a sudden, you know, everybody knew where the smell was coming from. This one was like Rocky Balboa sucker punching you, right? Yeah. I mean, and, and the gap that, 
you know, um, which I, th- I think is a perfect description for it is us stammering around, not really knowing what to do after we got sucker punched. Right. Right. It's really kind of just, we're in this little bit of a daze, but I do think three, four months from now, people are, are forbear- putting forbearances on their mortgage and all this kind of stuff. There are going to be some real buying opportunities in the next four to six months. There's no doubt. Yeah. Well, Mike, your original question, you're asking about sellers, seller psyche and what they're doing there. So uh, we're all stammering, right? I love that sucker punch analogy. That's what we're doing. But sellers, have we seen sellers react to this? Everyone's perception is their own reality. And as we've been kind of stammering what we do in that, I've seen sellers react, but not all of them, right? Yeah. There's yeah. less of them. And I've seen, it seems like there's like that 10, 15% that are like really motivated. Like we have seen it. I know one specific example, some person, my rep was talking to them pre all this stuff. And it was like 305, 305, 305. They would not come a penny beneath that. All this stuff happened, 265. Like, and what was that difference? It was their mind. It was their perception. Yeah. They're like, this thing is going, this is going bad. We're out. Now, is yeah. that true? <laughs> we don't know. Yeah. I mean, we still don't know. But what was true is they signed that they sold that house for, for $30,000 less yeah. because of their fear, right? Yeah. So, it's funny. If you really want to know what, what people are thinking, 40. like in real time, send out a bunch of text messages saying that you are interested in putting an offer on their house if they want to sell and see what their responses are. Some people are like, heck yes, you know, like call me immediately. And other people are like, buzz off. I'm not selling. So it's just, we, it's funny. We had another guy too. Uh, we were under contract in this house too. And we went under contract two, three weeks ago, kind of the midst of this hysteria. And this, this guy was like, he told my rep, he's like, you guys are crazy. I don't know why you guys are buying this. <laughs> Like he said that to him. So obviously, that's an easy sell. Obviously, his mindset is like this thing is over. Like the party's done. Huge recession, depression, whatever. Like, and it doesn't mean it's real. It means it's real to him. Yeah. Perception is reality to people. So, getting inside of his head, those sellers, you know, they're not all going to be the way. A lot of them are just like, hey, let's wait like us. They don't know which way it's going. But those ones that are like, I'm moving to Montana. This is done. They are there. There's a few of them. We found a few of them. Totally. We got the COVID pricing for sure. His house is a seven hundred fifty thousand dollar house. Five twenty five. He signed it for five twenty five. It's not oh. that bad of shape. He's just like, this thing's done. Now, jumbo loans and all stuff are not there, but he was like, it's a nice house, nice area. And he's just like, this is it. This is the end, right? That's crazy. You know, my thing is, have you guys seen, I I will admit, I don't watch the news a lot. I'm just, I'm one of those guys that doesn't watch the news. I don't like, I don't like to, but are they talking much about real estate on the news? I I don't think they are, but I could be wrong. Is there a lot of, like, the the reason I'm asking is, is back in 2008, obviously real estate was at the heart of it. So everyone's screaming, real estate's horrible, real estate's horrible. And when the media screams over and over how bad real estate is and how prices are dropping and how values are going to go in the tank. That becomes everyone, a lot, not everyone, but it comes a lot of people's reality. Whatever they're hearing in the media is what's true. I have not heard a lot of that, or I haven't really heard any, but I don't watch it a lot. But have you guys heard that? Is there like any talk in the media about house prices or the real estate industry? Is that is that a thing? Is that going on? It is a thing. I mean, I I don't watch the news, haven't watched the news since the last recession, kind of like you, Mike. And then I decided I was going to watch headlines and then scan articles and then read all the real estate articles I can. Yeah. And so like I actually have to on Apple Newsfeed, I you know there's probably 150 headlines here. I have to go find the real estate stuff. So some of the real estate stuff that I've seen, you know, is hey, on the retail side, we're going to have 15% less uh, less closings than we did or less sales than we did last year. But housing prices could still go up 3%. That was a Fanny a Fanny Freddie article. Okay. Um National Association of Realtors is putting stuff out there. But yeah, you don't see a lot of it. Yeah, I didn't think we did. And that's a lot of times, you know, whether it's real or not, if it just goes, if it goes out into mainstream media, people will panic, you know, and start thinking that to sell their house and dump it. So 
That's interesting. I've not really seen that either. But like I said, full confession, I don't really watch the news. I, 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 I scan headlines a little bit, but I don't even do a lot of that, honestly. I try to find and, out and what the restrictions are and then that's it. What's that? And I think you'll see it in scattered headlines. This real estate was not the center of this, kind of like it right. was in 2008. So it's going to be different. Yep. But when you see the public, if they read an article about real estate, it needs to be qualified. What type of real estate they're talking about? Because like Apple or Nike or these people not paying their rent, like that's a different story. You're talking commercial real estate versus, yeah. right? Yeah. So I mean, people see all that and be like, ah, you know, less listings. It's like, doesn't mean prices are less. It's like less listings. Yeah. So we know as you read through, like, okay, what are they really saying? Some of those headlines will try to like, you know. It's I mean, true. Uh, our asset class is looking pretty sexy right now. I mean, you look at oh, retail, man. they're projecting a 50% drop in rent collection. You look at office and they're looking at a 30, 35% drop over the long arc sociologically of people going back to work because now they got a taste of working from home. Yep. Stocks, you're up upwards of a 40% volatility ratio of drops to where does it land? Who knows? The okay. only thing that I see certain is that people want to live inside. <laughs> We're doing all right. Like yeah. in the midst you may of see market. some drops, but this is this is the best stake in asset class in the midst of this market. You got to talk to people about that. And then I'll also say if crap hits the fan with values and we do drop 20%, start talking to lenders right now. I, I want to go raise as much money as possible, but I've been focused on raising money because hard money goes away sometimes like yeah. it did in 08. <laughs> um, you know, some of these different, so we've qualified our buyers to like, who's got their own cash. Who's got a good partner that like is a private money person yeah. who's got like, who can actually buy. And it's our core people who have a ton of cash. So we're still getting people making offers, but how can you kind of shore that up for yourself right now and become your own buyer? If you have to squeeze that margin as a flipper, or if you have to like, if you want to go buy rentals, like some of those, you know, get your financing plan in place right now, because when, when stuff is uncertain, that's when people aren't lending quite as much and everybody's experienced it right now. But if you're the only guy or you're the only person kind of out there, you're one of 20% of your market that's still buying, yeah. like you're going to get all the opportunities because you have the money, yep. you know, start thinking about that long-term. What'd you say, Jeremiah? So they're going to be good deals. <laughs> yeah. And, and but to echo what, what Adam said, the umbrella of that is what asset class would you want to be in right now? Not real estate in general, but single family or like people's residential housing, affordable yep. housing, when they're printing currency, which is inflationary, they've got cheap money you can borrow. If you can get it right, that's another thing. What else would you want to be in right now? I mean, it's, it's like the best. I mean, this is a bad situation. If we're in a big recession, depression, whatever you totally. want to be there, it's going to be bad. But to be the best in a bad situation... Like, I am so grateful that I'm in this asset class. Yeah. Well, you think about it. If Jeremiah has a, a company with 100 people, right? And he's got a big lease downtown. And he figures out through all this whole Zoom thing that, that he, his productivity on his company went up. You know, they're done. Yeah. He's, he's, keeping, his, he's keeping his employees at home. And they're going to figure out how to make this work-life balance thing work. Uh, it'll be interesting. It's a new paradigm for sure. Definitely. And I heard someone talking the other day the class of people that are coming into the workforce, the millennials, they would prefer to work at home, right? So now you have this, this situation. People are forced to test this way of running their business. I, I agree with you. I think there's going to be companies that are going to go, I'm, we're not going back. We don't need the overhead. We don't need all the extra expenses. And frankly, our employees love this. The employees are loving that they're getting to work from home. So 
it doesn't work for every industry, obviously, but um, I agree. I think I think commercial real estate's going to get punched a little bit. They talk about you know a Rocky Balboa punch to the face. I think that's going to happen for sure. I would ask you, Adam. You said you're trying to raise a bunch of money right now, and you're going to the banks. It sounds like, and maybe it's not this simple. I, I it's probably a dumb person question, but I'm going to ask it anyways. What's the message? What are you saying to the banks when you go in there now, or when you're talking to them? What's the angle, or what's the pitch? How do you do that? Oh, I'm talking to private lenders. Banks okay. are freaking out. Okay. I just had somebody, I thought I had a 70% LTV with a significant reserve to do a refinance and it got pulled yesterday morning, uh, which isn't uncommon during these seasons. Like people are trying to figure out how best to survive. And we're talking about 20%-ish unemployment. So yeah. how do we, how's that going to affect? I think the only thing that's certain is the uncertainty. And so that's cre- crept into the, the local banks and um, what they're looking at. And like, I mean, it depends again on what asset class they typically lend on. Like agriculture, there's a couple agriculture banks that are like getting hammered from values, from payments. Like the food supply chain is struggling and we have farmers dumping crop because they can't uh, get stuff in. So ag- ag's getting destroyed. Uh, commercial is really uncertain. And so I'm still having that discussion and just talking about the asset class of single family residential. I've got a couple of multi-units, but as long as there's a little bit of space, I'm presenting that sociological case that our uh, rent numbers on single family is already up. I think we're going to see the same trend. And so I've gotten a couple of local banks to commit. Yeah, the rates aren't great on some of those refinances, but to commit to hey, we'll do a five or a seven-year term on a 25-year amortized note. Um, And I'm trying to line up those relationships now. And I know that none of them are going to be like chomping at the bit. But if I can lay some assumptions out there and say, hey, we're prepared for where we think this is going to go, let's go together. And then I will apply with one loan uh, for this bank and one loan for that bank. So I have exits going up the other side of this and then private money for the speed of acquisition. I've tried to get a, basically a, a million dollars in the last couple of weeks and I'm targeting, you know, five times that. So I think the big thing, I mean, if you look at some of the best investors throughout history, you know how Warren Buffett calculates his stock purchases on a company. It's no. a 10 cap. That's it. He stole it from the real estate industry and then he applies it to his real estate investments he owns buildings in New York City. He owns ranches and farms all across the Midwest. He's a real estate investor. It's just look for a 10 cap, fix your, your debt against the long term and hold it. So that's the conversation we're starting to try and have with buyers as well to drum up more people who are going to convert to buy and hold yeah. um, than potentially flip. And those are where we're trying to shore up our, our weak spots and sell going into the uncertainty with you know, perspective solutions for people. So if you've got long-term goggles on this thing, cheap money, Oh my gosh, cheap money with inflationary environment, which it's cooked into the books. They have to inflate. So then prices will be back. If, if you can play that arbitrage in the two, it's a win every time. And here's a little side note. So some of you guys know that I get to my, my rent, some of my rental properties, I'll get a first position equity line just so I have liquidity and have options. They're cheap. There's not a lot of junk fees with it. Right. So if you go and get like a 30 year fixed on it, you're going to pay, you know, non rocket value of eight thousand dollars in junk fees. I like these little first position equity lines. If you have some liquidity, that you can like buy a house for cash, so you can go in there and get a seventy or eighty percent loan to value, and the bank will give you, or, or in my case, a credit credit uh, union will give you 
um, aligning us that first position, like no costs, no fees really. And they'll give you a rate, a variable rate. So you can borrow if you need it. If you don't need it, you pay it back. You don't pay anything, right? But what was interesting the other day is I was just happened to be looking at some of those lines and the lines that were like five and a half percent variable rates a few weeks ago, I didn't look at them until yesterday, guys. And those rates, they're under 4%. Like, because they're variable rates. So like they just change with, I think it might be prime that they're adjusting off of. I mean, it just changed. Like they just automatically adjust them. It dropped a point and a half or point and a half, right? On that, on those variable rates. I mean, it's hard to get loans right now. Probably a little harder because they've tightened up guidelines. But for me, I was like, wow, they just, wow. I mean, it's lower than I've ever seen them. Yeah. It's lower than I've ever seen them. Yeah. That's awesome. What do you do with that then? So what, what's the action then? You see that, what, what do you do? Are you borrowing against it then? I'm doing, I, I actually haven't changed my actions. I'm borrowing okay. for when I, when I need to borrow, when I don't need to borrow, I don't need to borrow, right? It's, oh, it's, it's always been a liquidity play for me. My favorite play is you buy a single family home, like an asset that like makes sense. It's not like a jumbo loan or anything. It makes sense. You buy it at a reduced value for cash. You turn around and get an equity line against that. It doesn't mm-hmm. cost you that much money to do it. You rent your property to get your cap rate and you have your liquidity too. You have your cake, you need it too. Appreciation. Yep. You can de- depreciate the asset. You can, you can write off the interest if you use it. And you have both, right? So, yep. I mean, that's, that's always been a thing that I've I've loved to do. But those rates are, they're a that's, lot lower now, right? And it is variable, right? So it could go up and be 10% or whatever if the stuff goes the other direction. Right. But I don't think that the government can do that because of the way they've got trillions of dollars in debt now. It kind of hurts them, cuts them to do that. So, right. Uh, and I'm, again, I'm not a macroeconomist or anything, but I just saw that. That is, that is a real life thing that I saw the other day. I'm like, wow, rates are lower on those type of products. So, yeah, that is amazing. We have a satellite. Our market's Kansas. I live in Colorado, and I, I've been, I've already networked over the last couple of years with different higher level people in the banks on the commercial side. And proactively, I've been sending messages to say, hey, you know what? We're positioning for the opportunity that we believe is coming, and would like to expand our guidance line with your with your bank. You know what? What would be the steps to to do that? And I've not gotten one no. Really? What are they saying? What's the response? Send us your cash flow statements and your balance okay. sheet, and okay. let's talk. So they're engaging. They're, they're all, but those are local Kansas, like not outside sure. of that market. Um, they're not here in Colorado. They're just specifically there. But actually, got one back right from this morning. We're actively, I'm actively looking to to build those lines with several banks because I I am a firm believer that this uncertainty or this gap it will catch up to the sellers and buying. With inflation impending, it's it's a no brainer, you know, and and there are going to be a lot of sub two opportunities too. Yeah, I believe that we're going to be able to get properties basically with with somebody else's financing, and yep, you know, I'd like to double or triple, you know, the size of our portfolio in the next three years. How that would be phenomenal. Yeah, that was a conversation we we're having in our in our company today. Actually, was that the sub two opportunities I think are going to be there too, and we're going to start really pushing that. With all these deferments, it's going to be nuts. Yeah. And I think it's after the gap too, right? Because right yeah. now, seller psyche is still like, oh, everything is good, right? The difference in a recession and depression is like neighbor loses his job, it's a recession. You lose your job, it's depression, right? As these people have these properties that you could potentially take subject to, as they lose their ability because they have no reserves, the $1,200 is gone and now yep. they've lost their job. And I think that's months down the road. You guys were saying that 10 months, 11 months. I think as this recession plays out, that's when that's going to happen when their personal economy comes down. Then it's like, hey, I know I've got 3.5%. 30 year fixed, but like, look, I mean, I need money now. Right. Yeah. And then you can step into those. I, I'm with you guys though. That is the opportunity here. If rates are the lowest they've ever been. That is a huge opportunity to get an asset, like 30 year fixed cheap money on an asset that is going to be inflating in value. I'm absolutely bullish on real estate. Yep. I'm all in. <laughs> yeah, I'm Great. bullish. 
I don't know about you, but I want to live inside. So <laughs> right? we're not going back to tents anytime soon. I don't think. Right? So. <laughs> no, that's true. That, that's a great point. So cool. Listen, I, I don't want to keep you guys all all night, but I appreciate you doing this in a, in a short sentence. I, I just want to hear from each of you. What are you and we kind of just said it, but let's let's put a fine point at it for people who are like, OK, this all sounded great. You guys are smart. What should a, let's just say, a, I wanna, I'm going to say a normal real estate investor. It's sort of a weird thing to say, but someone who isn't like crazy huge volume and, and maybe not even the person who like just started yesterday, but somewhere in between, right? They're doing a couple deals a month, maybe one or two. What should they be excited about over the next 12 months in their business? What can they do to most position themselves most advantageously, whether a flipper or a wholesaler, like what would you do if you were in that position right now with a smallish real estate company and, and you were looking down the barrel of the next 12 months uh, of what's happening? And again, we're not, uh, you know, fortune tellers here. We're, we're just taking our best educated guess at what we think. But what do you guys think just kind of going one at a time? And I'll start with you, Andy, if you don't mind your top left yeah. on my screen. When you said that I was going through that, what would I do? I'm, I'm a conservative guy by nature, so I would continue to be cautious if I were them. I wouldn't step outside and try to swing for the fences and try to do something that's like, hey, maybe I'm going to hit this one out of the park. I'd be cautious, right? Have some reserves. Be smart. Does it make sense? You've mentioned Warren Buffett's investing philosophy. He talks about he wants to buy a company and doesn't care if the stock market shuts down for 10 years. That kind of a thing, right? If you buy in a property, like this is a no-brainer. You can't build it for this. It's cheap money. I've got some reserves. What could go wrong? And you go to that possibility of like, hey, what could possibly go wrong here? Uh, and you still are like, yeah, this is still going to work. Do that. I I wouldn't be too wouldn't be too anxious, right? In this, especially if you're like a, a newer guy, to be like jumping in and saying like, hey, I'm going to make my millions right now. Yeah, just relax, relax, right? This is a long term game. What you're seeing is a market shift. It will continue to. Real estate is a slow moving animal, and it's not you're not going to miss the boat if you don't buy something tomorrow, right? right? Just wait, hang on. Deals will be coming as this recession. We've been dealing with the coronavirus. That's what people are reacting to right now. Wait till the economic impacts of that set in. Once that sets in, it's going to be we're going to see as it starts to affect people's psyche. So I would, I would not be in a hurry to do anything. And I think your grandma's economics still works here. Live on less than you make, invest the difference, have cash reserves, have staying power, regardless of what happens. If it goes left or right, you still can win because you've got, you've got time to make a decision. Those that are living right paycheck to paycheck can't make those decisions they need to. If you've got time, money in the bank, cash reserves, you can be like, okay, I don't care if it goes left or right. I'm still going to be able to be alive in whatever environment to, right. to pick up whatever opportunities are there. Okay. Fair enough. Jeremiah, I'm a small wholesaler doing a couple deals here and there. What do you think? What? How should I be moving forward? We're a small wholesaler. <laughs> you know, relatively, uh, we've stuck with you know, our, our core fundamentals and, and we flip sometimes and we're not great at it. So I'm not, we're not flipping right now, but I, the one thing I want to, I, I would recommend is don't speculate, yeah. you know, make, make sure, adjust your buying criteria so that you know, don't go five, go 5% 5 less than your normal max allowable offer. I mean, that's actionable intelligence yeah. and don't make emotional decisions, stick to your fundamentals because then you won't get burned. Well, I've really had to move our whole team back to, uh, this is our new calculator and our acquisitions folks were mad, you know, like somebody moved their cheese and yeah. they're starting now. They're now that after three weeks of this or four weeks, it's, it, I heard Andy say four weeks ago and it's, it's surreal that this has only been four weeks. It seems like four months, right. but that's what I would recommend is stick to your fundamentals and even adjust them down and be conservative. Don't speculate because when, when you do, especially if you end up like double closing something and you're hoping, you know, that, that, that's exposure you don't want in this, yep. 
environment. I, I wrote down actionable intelligence. That is, I absolutely yeah. love that. I, I just, love that too. I, I just wrote that as you were talking. Like I have to use that has to work its way into my vocabulary now. Actionable intelligence. I love that. Terry, what do you think, man? Smallish real estate investor. What do we do? Swing for the fences. Say it, Terry. Just kidding. What do we <laughs> <Yeah>. do? <laughs> uh, if you're, you know, if you're a flipper, um, I think number one, you're always got to buy right. You should be giddy about the price that you're buying a house for. It's always when you your profits always when you buy always. That's never going to change. Um, I think you need to be raising some private capital um, with your sphere of influence as, as much as you can. And then get some really good subject to seller financing training. I mean, I mean, everybody here has said it. That's where gonna, the opportunity is going to be in the next four to 12 months. Get good at it. Agreed. Uh, just real quick, Terry, and, and anybody can, can chime in here. If I'm relatively new to pitching a private investor, pitching maybe is the wrong word, but approaching a private investor about potentially loaning me money for real estate without getting too deep, because we, we could be all night on the subject. What's the elevator pitch? What's the quick and dirty version of what you want to relay to them? It doesn't be word for word, but like what what's the message? Yeah, I think you're always talking about what you're doing, right? Always. And because everybody's always interested in real estate. And then you just say, if somebody asks you, what, what do you do? I, I put together lucrative deals for my investor partners. Are you interested? You know, and just wait and see what they do. You don't and even then, mention the, what we're going through right now, the pandemic, mm-hmm. blah, blah, blah. The, okay. How it affects. Okay. Good. Fair enough. I, just keep the yeah, message I mean, the same. Uh, none of my lenders have bailed. Okay. I got one guy who would love to have put stuff in the stock market on uh, March <laughs> 23rd. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But. Everybody else is, is sticking okay. with me. Is, is everybody kind of in agreement? Are you, if you're talking to private lenders, is the message the same as it was four months ago? Or is there a different twist to it? But yeah, it's the, the same. same. I mean, okay. I think it's just uh, you just communicate <laughs> your competence and they like, don't lie. Right. We, it's all uncertain. Yep, I mean, totally. Okay. I didn't know if there was some okay. like special way you're using what's happening, but same same message. That, that makes sense. Adam, that leaves you last uh, but not least. Uh, what do we tell that that investor out there who's like, uh, what do I do? I don't know if I should, what do I do? Yeah, I think the hardest thing to do is time the market because we're trying to speculate as far as people's sociological response. Mm-hmm. So I would say develop empathy so that you can feel when somebody, we're going through enormous and catastrophic like loss of life. As a country, it's going to leave scars. Uh, develop empathy, not ego through this, right? Because the guy's beating their chest saying like, this is amazing. Like they're very, it feels very callous, right? And so I think the true uh, business owners are the ones who are going to be able to like, like you look at politicians, it's ego that gets them in trouble. It's empathy that allows them to respond to whatever it is that they're feeling um, or feeling from their business or feeling from a seller or feeling from a lender. Um, so some type of one, develop empathy, not ego practice. Uh, second, I would say find certain money. And I mean, people that you have a relationship with that are the direct source of that money. So that's probably private lenders, um, in my case, uh, cause I think, uh, uncertainty breeds uncertainty. Yeah. Um, so if you can control that conversation that you will have an opportunity and it doesn't have to be a lot, right? It doesn't have to be the entire amount of a flip, but it probably needs to be somewhere in the range of 50% of whatever that ARV is going to be is probably what you need to raise or have access to in a line of credit or something like that. As simple as that, you could do two, three deals a year and really make good money. Yeah. Um, so I'd say develop empathy, not ego. Then second is find certain money. The third is just educate yourself 
it's pre when preparation meets opportunity, um, you'll be able to be prepared with the skills or the selling skills or the conceptual knowledge of how to do a subject to deal or how to do a seller finance deal or how to do a lease option deal. These are great also lease option times as well. But number four, I think everything is strategic and long-term. And if you can fix your gaze on 12 to 15 years from now, instead of 12 to 15 months from now, that is the, the best kind of way to, to strategically move through this is to be making decisions for 15 years from now, not how we feel in the next six weeks. Yep. Um, mm -hmm. So those four things is what I would do right now. I love that, man. Super well said. I, I love the long term. You know, honestly, that that's like great advice now, 50 years ago, 50 years from now, like just long term thinking. Don't don't be transactional in everything you do and think because that's it's just long term won't be the way to go. Love it. Great way to wrap this up, guys. You're the best. I appreciate it. All the behind the scenes stuff that no one ever really knows when they listen to shows like this is that I called these guys like just a few days ago and basically said, will you do this? And everyone just said, yes, 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 yes. So um, that's just the kind of people you are. And I appreciate that. You guys are great friends and uh, I respect you immensely. And, and that's why I really wanted you to do this. So thanks for doing it. I, I'll be talking to you guys soon because we, we talk all the time. So <laughs> if not, I'll see you in a few months. If not, I'll talk to you soon. But again, thanks guys. I appreciate it. Stay safe, stay at home and uh, uh, get along with your spouse and kids. <laughs> thanks, Mike. All right. We'll see you guys. All right, guys, I hope you enjoyed that episode. I had a lot of fun doing it. If you couldn't tell, I really like those guys a lot. Good friends of mine, smart guys, and uh, I was just honored to have them on the show. They're busy. They got a lot going on. They're all trying to uh, figure out what's happening right now in our current situation and uh, and lead a team of, of uh uh, people that work for them in various capacities. So they're busy, man. They have families, they have investments, they have teams, they have companies that they're building, and they chose to uh, still jump on here with me and uh, kind of help me out, talk through this whole situation that we're in and give us some insights from their perspective and their markets and their background and all of their expertise. So I could not be more grateful to have people like this that I surround myself with, right? We talk about you're the average of the five people that you hang out with. Well, these are some of the people that I hang out with and I'm happy to be among them and and sharpen my skills and sharpen my sword against their swords. They're, they're just some of the best guys. So you got a little sneak peek into their brain. I think you can tell just from this relatively short uh, discussion that we had that these are smart guys. They're, they know their stuff and they're just smart individuals. So hopefully you got a lot out of that. I know I did. And again, guys, listen, pandemic or not, Life is a chess game, right? When when life makes its move, you have to make your move. So the only way, the only way you're going to build a business in this economy or any other ones is to get out there and just start. So get out there and start, guys. All right. See you next time.